0: Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we wanna see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. every single service with a formal call to worship. And Because we're kind of going old school a little bit this weekend, I'd like to call you to worship with these words. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture flock under his care would you pray with me this morning God thank you for an opportunity to stop and pause God the world is so busy and to be able to come and reflect worship think and change our posture God I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here I thank you that your presence is in this room. I thank you that my brothers and sisters have made the decision to come and encounter you this morning. So God, you have our full attention. Would you teach us, stretch us, comfort us and help us as we find our hope in you and in you alone. And I pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people say, amen. amen. So if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. We've been doing a series on worship. And today we're going to take another step forward. And I'm going to start with this. Uh, A year ago on my 51st birthday, which for the record was only eight months ago. Okay. So (laughs) not that old yet. All right. But uh, my kids for my birthday gave me a, a glass jar. Now, I know some of you are thinking, like, really? Like, 51 years and they bought you a glass jar. They did. High-quality glass. I really appreciated uh, what they did and how they went about doing it. And the reality is it has absolutely nothing to do with the jar itself. I mean, you can get one of these at Hobby Lobby for a buck, right? But it was what was inside. For my 51st birthday, my four kids wrote out 51 things they loved about their dad. I love this jar. This jar means so much to me because it came out of the overflow of my kid's heart. They actually went to the effort of writing some stuff down. So when I'm having one of those, uh, when I'm having one of those, nobody loves me, everybody hates me sort of days, I go grab my jar and pull out something sweet that my kids say to me because it's just nice to hear. Every time I pull a piece of paper out of this jar, something happens inside of me. My kids minister to me. They bless me. They fully understand when I get it right and when I get it wrong, because I am not a perfect father, but for just that one brief moment, everything just seems so unbelievably perfect. This is one of the, the best gifts that I have ever received in my whole life. And I'm going to be a little proactive right now. I'm actually going to read one because I don't know whether you're going to like my sermon or not. And some of you might write me nasty notes this week. And that's cool. So I'm just going to get on the front end of it and said, uh, I love how you call me, son. And I get to call you dad. That's from my son-in-law, Alex. And Alex is here. So I feel good about this. This is awesome. So I'm encouraged. Now we're ready to preach. All right. Let's jump into it together. In this series, we've been looking at the seven different Hebrew words for praise. So far, we've learned about the posture of yadah, which means to lift your hands in praise and worship of God. Some of you were doing that this morning. Then we added a soundtrack to our worship and found out that God loves it when we incorporate music, when we play music, because there's something about music that opens up our heart and allows us to take just a little closer step to Jesus. Last week, some of us stepped way outside of our comfort zone and we added the shout of praise, which was halal, which we get our word hallelujah from. And some of you were like, stretch, that was a big deal because we found out that there are times when God loves our our worship to be be quiet and meditative and reverent. But when we are halaling, it means God wants it loud, passionate, and public. And this week, we're going to go in a completely different direction. The Hebrew word this week is Barach, not the president, okay? (laughs) The posture, okay? Barach means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, to thank, to fill the jar. It's God's opportunity invitation to welcome us into a moment when out of the overflow of our heart as our kids, as his kids, we fill the jar with adoration and praise and love. I had a Brock moment just this past week. So I've had two men in my life who have shaped me both as a person and a pastor. They would both be totally uncomfortable knowing that I'm doing this this morning. I don't care. John Havilland has been my friend my mentor, my 12-step sponsor, my conscience, my encourager, my spiritual father for all of the years that I've been here, Christ the King. I really do. I look to John as a spiritual father. He calls me Grant, my son, every time that I see him. And I had an opportunity to spend some time with John just this past week. Let me tell you about a story about John. Uh, in 2003, when I took over as the teaching pastor, I was drowning in a sea of administration. John saw that. He showed up in my office and said, I'll give you one year of my life. I'll take all the administration stuff off the desk so that you can focus on ministry and preaching. John worked for an entire year in this church for one U.S. dollar. One buck. One buck. On his last day, he walked out of the office after hiring his successor and said, you owe me a dollar. I will never be able to pay back the debt of gratitude that I owe to John Havland. John is, is struggling with memory issues right now. So I went to see him and I got to spend the most blessed time with my friend and my mentor. Earlier in the day, I got to see Garrett Byman. Garrett Byman uh, has been also my friend, my conscience. He was always the guy that that was helping me not take take myself so seriously. His famous words to me were always the same thing. Grant, lighten up. Like, just lighten up. He also gave me the best leadership advice that I ever received from anybody. He said, Grant, never get too far from dirt. Think about the wisdom of that. Uh, Garrett, let me build, or help me build a little sanctuary in our backyard. And every time that I walk out into this little corner of our backyard to 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 think or or to talk to Jesus or to meet with Jesus or to pray, every time I'm there, it's like I can feel Garrett hanging out with me in my backyard. Garrett had a stroke about five and a half, almost six years ago, and so he's dealing with all of the things that come with being paralyzed. On the left side, I got to see both of them yesterday morning. I saw Garrett first and then I went and hung out with John. And to see two men that I revere, two men of power and strength struggle, it was a tough thing. And so I had to go for a walk. There's a beautiful little trail down by Cordata Park over there. So I just took a little walk and there were people around. And I didn't give a flying rip what they thought about what I was doing. But I ended up on the trail, on the side, on my knees, with my hands in the air saying, God, thank you. Thank you for John and Garrett. I am so thankful for them, but I am so full of gratitude to you because you made them. You knew I was going to need a little help and you handpicked them. You created them in their mother's womb before time even began. You did all of that work because you knew a pastor in Bellingham was going to need two really, really good friends. Barach, is that moment when you come to the end of yourself, you fall to your knees, and you thank God. You adore Him because He's the only one with the strength to lift you back up again. So yesterday, I was just so overwhelmed for my love for these two men and for the God that created them that I fell to my knees, raised my hands, sang a hallelujah because that's what John and Garrett taught me to do. And that's what Jesus is worthy of. Darren Whitehead wrote a book called Holy Roar. He defines Barak this way. He goes, Barak embodies the notion of kneeling before God, of blessing and adoring him, of recognizing one's position before him. If you fully grasp what Barak is, it means this you are humble because you had a clue about something. God is God, and you're not. He is worthy, he's king, he's savior, he's life, he's breath. And that's why when he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, it means somebody at Christ the King should say amen or hallelujah or I'm going to do that or yada. Somebody help me out here just a little bit. Come on now. 289 times in the book of Psalms alone, God says, take a knee. 289 times we have the opportunity to willfully and willingly adore God by taking this posture. It's not a position of weakness. It's a position of power. So let's break it down. Here's what Barak is. Barak is a posture of adoration and honor. I mean, this is an amazing thought. But you, when you are worshiping, can actually bless God. When you're worshiping, you can minister to the heart of God. God doesn't need anything from you, but as a father, when his children worship him and thank him and adore him, something happens inside of God's heart. It's the same thing that happened to me when my kids gave me a glass jar full of love. This is going to be my question all morning. What are you going to put in the jar? What do you need to put in the jar? How are you going to help us corporately together overflow the jar in God's heart today because his children get a clue that he is good and worthy and kind and loving and forgiving and all too wonderful for words. What are you going to put in the jar this weekend? What can you honor and adore God for today? If your answer is nothing that I can think of, you need a perspective shift let me give one to you. The only reason you're breathing right now is because of God. The only reason you woke up this morning is because God said that you could. The only reason that you're walking is because God gave you the strength to do that. Some of you are like, I'm not walking, Grant. Okay. The only reason you're rolling today is because God said that you could. The only reason you have a job today to put food on the table is because of God. Some of you are like, I don't have a job yet. The only reason you have the ability to apply for a job is because God put a thought in your brain, breath in your lungs, and strength inside of your body. The only reason that you're smiling is God. The only reason that you're scowling right now is... No, that doesn't work. Okay, (laughs) the only reason... You're blessed is God. The only reason you have anything. I don't care about your resume, your accomplishments, your corner office, your roles, your Bentley, or whatever else you got. The only reason you've got anything is because of God. So what are you going to put in the jar? What are you going to put in the jar? Listen to Psalm 72. The Bible says, May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and Barak bless him all day long. When we barack Jesus we give him the honor due to his name, his majesty, his power, his glory, his strength, his healing, his hope, his joy. When we barack we actually get to bless God, minister to his heart. Think of it this way. Before you even think about going out to minister outward this week, you should be ministering upward. Bless his holy name. When someone in the royal in the Royal British Army is given the title of knight. They come before the queen and even though they are powerful, strong, people of influence, people who have changed the world, they come before the queen and what do they do? They take a knee. They use everything that they have to take a knee before a regent, an authority that they trust, and she pulls out a sword that she can barely lift, and she touches them on each shoulder. They use their strength, their power as warriors to pledge their loyalty, their fealty, and their devotion. This is not a position of weakness. It's a position of power. Secondly, Barak is a posture of humility and vulnerability. Listen to the invitation again from Psalm 95. Come, let us worship. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel, barak, before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. He is a shepherd and I am the sheep. And that's really good news, because yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear oh, no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I don't know about you, but often when I come to God in a position of Barak, I need comfort. Because I not only use that posture for adoration, I don't know about you, but I also use it for confession. When you kneel before God, that's a posture of humility and vulnerability, because you need to be both humble and vulnerable when you come to God and say, I messed up. I got it wrong. I often hit my knees when I sin and when I need God's mercy because I've learned I can't hide from Him. I can't fool Him. I need Him. And often, when I'm covered in my own willful failures, my temptation is to stare at the ground and listen to the voice of my enemy. How many of you have had the opportunity at any time, you end up on your face in front of God, kneeling, saying, God, I messed it up really, really bad, and you are trying to confess and trying to repent, and you end up making promises that you don't intend to keep. It sounds something like this, God, if you get me out of this situation, I promise I will never, ever, ever, ever do that again. Some of you just lied in church. Okay, so... um... (laughs) It's a vulnerable position down here. Let me tell you why. It's because when we humble ourselves before God, Satan shows up every time. And while we're saying, God, forgive me, help me, restore me, I adore you for your mercy and your forgiveness, what's the enemy whispering in our ear? I know what you did. You're disgusting, you're a failure. You've never gotten it right before. What makes you think you're gonna get it right now that you come and confess again? Your promises are like a flimsy piece of paper. Are you kidding me? You should be ashamed of yourself. The devil says, shame on you when we come to this place. Praise God, Jesus says, shame off you. Let me say that again. The devil says, shame on you. Jesus says, shame off you don't look at the ground. Look at me. Don't focus on your failure. Focus on my forgiveness. Don't get caught up in all this stuff that's happening around me. Just look into my glorious, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Vulnerability. Humility. You know, one of the most beautiful parts of Barak actually comes from Hebrew scholars because they added this beautiful element to it. I think it's so beautiful. The Hebrew word Barak doesn't just mean to kneel or bow down. It also carries with it the picture that when you hit your knees, your eyes don't go down to the ground in shame. They actually go up to the one who can forgive you and give you hope. You fix your eyes, not on your failure, but on his forgiveness. It's body down, but it's eyes up. It's knees on the floor, but eyes on Jesus. The word Barak also means to be transfixed by your Savior. That's why we keep a cross on our stage or hanging in the center of the room all the time. Because we need to have a place where we can fix our eyes and be reminded the cross is empty. Because Jesus won. He took shame down. He took death down. He took sin down. So when we hit our knees, it's not a place where we need to be afraid. Instead, it's a position of power where we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul, the man who called himself the worst of sinners... He's just had a vulnerable, raw, humble conversation with Jesus saying, I need you to take this thorn away from me. God responds, my grace is sufficient for you. And this is his conclusion. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong. I was watching the Seahawks game last week. Anybody see that hit on quarterback Paxton Lynch? I thought he was dead when he hit the ground. I mean, he got lit up, folded in half. When he hit the ground, I think, you could hear the stadium like, oh, and it got real quiet. And I wasn't watching what happened specifically with the quarterback. I was more interested in what was happening around him because something happened instantaneously. The game disappeared, the score disappeared. Nobody cared. All the players took off of their helmets and they did the same thing at the same time. Some of them were praying. Some of them were aligning themselves with the player on the field because they know exactly what it feels like to have that injury. Some of them were actually, I'm sure, thinking in their heart I mean, for the love of God, get up. Get up. It's just a football game. You have a wife and kids to go home to. One of the most beautiful things about Barak is when we take this position of humility and vulnerability and then God brings someone to, to kneel alongside of us so that you don't ever have to do it alone. It may not be a person. God will come every single time. And when we take this posture, he meets us here every single time. It's a beautiful place to be because the truth is he's the only one that can help us get back up again. Let's keep going. Thirdly, it's a posture of gratitude. I'm not going to spend much time here because it preaches itself. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise Barak, his name. The Bible is just simple. Thank him. Thank him. I've been thinking a lot lately about my prayer life. And I was convicted by this thought. Um, I asked myself the question, when was the last time I gave myself to prayer and, and, and I didn't just put a to-do list in here? Hey God, here's all the things I need you to do. If you could get it done by Wednesday at noon, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> I often, almost always, I come with, with a list. I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, and I need this. And don't get me wrong, God wants us to ask My question is this. When was the last time as a child of God you just showed up and filled the jar? God, thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for a church that loves Jesus. Thank you for an opportunity to have health for this particular day. God, thank you for waking me up and giving me another shot at 24 hours. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness. I mean, when was the last time you walked away from a prayer time and your sole purpose was, I'm going to fill God's jar today? As a dad, my kids are awesome at saying two things thank you and I love you. And as a father, I'm good. That's all I need. That's all I need. Let's wrap this up together. Finally, Barak is a posture of eternal preparation. When we all get to heaven, some of these postures that seem a little unconventional for us are actually going to be normal. They're going to be like the way we do it all of the time. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm actually going to read to you a passage of Scripture. I want to remind you something about it. This happens after Jesus removes suffering, shootings, cancer, pain, Beatty's crystalline dystrophy. I mean, all of the stuff of life, that it's all gone. It's all been put back into order. And Jesus is in the center of the room. And this is what happens. Okay. This is what we're going to have an opportunity to participate in. So if you need to close your eyes, whatever you got to do to just enter into this moment, let me read to you a portion of Revelation chapter seven. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Just so you know, the Lamb of God is Jesus, the spotless Lamb who gave himself as a sacrifice and and wiped our record clean and gave us an opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father. They said they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all of the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying amen and amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, and all God's people said, Barak is a posture of power when you do it in God's presence. And we're going to have an opportunity to do it for eternity. So why not start now? You know, part of this series has been about shifting perspective I don't want you leaving today asking the wrong question. Here's the wrong question. How was worship today? because if you ask that question it means you've got your eyes on all the wrong things that means you actually think worship is whether or not Randy gets the notes right on the keyboard it's whether or not Andy got his voice back and was able to deliver something that you actually thought was cool it was whether or not the cello was in tune it was whether or not the 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 screens were too bright or or or, or, or distracting or not distracting enough and I mean why are they putting nature scenes on the back of the wall the thing anyway I mean I just don't understand I mean if you're asking the question how was worship today you're focused on everything. That's wrong because when when we ask the question, how was worship today? The truth is we've got our eyes off of Jesus and we're focused on our opinion, our preferences, our thoughts, ourselves. There's a word for worshiping ourselves. It's called idolatry. It's sin. My challenge has been, can we shift the perspective Wrong question, how was worship today? Right question, how was my worship today? Did I bring something to God's house that blessed God's heart? Did I, did I fill the jar? Did I yadah, halal, zamar, and barak with everything that I had so that the cup of God's heart overflowed? Because I worshiped. So we're going to give you an opportunity. Some of you are thinking, Grant's going to make us all kneel. I don't know if I can get down and get back up again. Um, I actually did an experiment. I went into the back section and tried to kneel in there. Um, They almost had to call an ambulance for me because I pulled something trying to get back up again. I mean, you can't, don't, please don't, don't try in the seats, okay? It's, It's the wrong angle, all right? But I want you to think about this for just a second. We haven't just added... Barak. In this next moment, we're going to sing together. That's Samar. You can sing, you cannot sing. I'm never going to make you do anything. God may tell you, stand on your feet, lift your hands. It's like, but God, I don't feel like it. I'm feeling broken, hurting, and wounded. And God will say, I know. Stand up, lift your hands. If you're not dead, you're not done. Okay? It could be that some of you need to halal. And you need to say it. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I may not feel like saying it right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Some of you may actually want to barak. Maybe you could just ask somebody to let you step around them and you need to take a knee in the aisle. You need to be okay with doing that. I'm going to remind you again, this isn't about what the people around you are thinking. You're just going to fill the jar. It's not their jar. It's God's jar. And normally I finish preaching and then I jump off the stage and I run around the back and I get a cold drink of water and then I summon up all of my introverted strengths to go out and shake hands with a whole bunch of people. But I'm not gonna do that this week. I'm gonna join you. In a moment, God's just gonna say, kneel or sing or stand or sit. I wanna warn you about something. If God says just sit humbly, don't let the enemy talk you into shame. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on the cross. Shame off you. We're going to sing an old song, and I just want you to do whatever God tells you to do. That's it. It's whatever He tells you to do. Listen to Him, fill the jar. We're going to turn the lights down up here so you're not focused on what I'm doing. That's not the point anyway. But would you pray with me right now? Would you pray with me as we come into this moment? Father God, we need your presence. God, we fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. All of our accomplishments, God, they just go to your feet, never higher than your feet. We come to worship, to adore. God, we come broken, but in your name, we are whole today. Jesus, would you come into this moment? A miracle can happen now because you're here. Bless my brothers and sisters as we worship together.